Welcome to another edition of Common Kaisers. Uh, I am your host, Chris Eaton, and joining me, as always, is... Ariane Hinojosa. I said it this time. Yeah, there you go. Now, see again. We're, it's only episode five. We're 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 getting the we're getting the groove. We're getting the groove. Mm. Boy, do we have a good one for you tonight, guys. Um, that we do. Especially, we needed a a palate cleanser after last week's batty, nutty, oh, buddy, beautifully yeah. brilliant episode. <laughs> uh, I went back and saw the movie again to make sure that I saw. <laughs> with the same thing that like I'm pretty because it felt the same the day after we recorded that it mm-hmm. like a fever dream of like did that really you know that really did happen <clears throat> but that tells did you, you watch much, did you watch but, the Cantonese version no hell no I watched the American okay so, so hopefully you guys listened to that last episode where we covered the seventh curse because we went deep diving on that that some bitch. That, that movie was what eighty minutes long, and we talked about it for like for two, two hours. hours. <laughs> yes. Well, you you talk about high class cinema, man. You have to deep dive. So yes. today, today's episode, we are doing in honor of the upcoming release of Shin Kamen Rider in Japan, of which Arian will be there when it comes out. I will be there. So maybe we might do just a, in the uh, when he comes back. Because um, we're pre-recording these while he's. By the time you hear this, he will be in Japan. So by the time he comes back, maybe we'll have just a a, a quickie, gentle, you know, review if he gets time to go see it. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but absolutely. on that note, to honor the release of Shin Kamen Rider, we are looking back at the first major live-action film. I say first major live-action film because he actually did one teeny tiny little indie film before this. But this is the first time Hideki Anno, the great Hideki Anno, master, legend in the anime industry, got to really sink his teeth into something in the live-action realm. And you know what? I It's been about four years. I think I last watched this when uh, Shin, Shin Godzilla came out, so it's been a little longer than that. But... Oh, what a treat. I forgot how much I adore the hell out of this film. So the film today is none other than Hideki Anno's take on the Gonagai classic that is Cutie Honey. So, <clears throat> so real quick, Arian, you've seen this one already before, right? It's been over 10 years since I've seen this version, yes. Okay. And that's a lot of people I talk to. They have not watched it. That's the thing I've found, that a lot of people don't remember it as well, because they all kind of watched it when it came out, and they never went back. And I feel that that's a shame with this movie, because I have a deep, passionate love for this movie. And rewatching it the other day for this just reaffirmed it, because there's a lot of things that I saw that I'm like, oh, man, I forgot I forgot how, how well-paced this movie is. And there's a lot of little things we'll get into. But I'll say this. It does reaffirm my, my uh, belief that animators can direct fantastic live action movies by porting over those techniques that they use in animation. And I'll delve into that in a little bit. <clears throat> so this came out in 2004. It's approaching 20 years already. Can you believe that? Yeah, I know. Again, the gray it's coming in now. It's just, my hair got more gray just saying that. <sighs> so four. so this is as old as final wars and, Wow, that that was the new back then. Yep. Like, that's like, to me, that's still new. Yes. So 
Mm, excuse me. Got a little dry throat going on here. So if you hear me sniffing and coughing, that's um, that's that. And I apologize ahead of time. So Otto, at this point, known for Neon Genesis Evangelion, known for Gunbuster, known for his work in anime. Evangelion is done at this point. Uh, it is now a cultural phenomenon and what I call the uh, New Testament of <laughs> of That's a great pop way culture. To put it. That's yes, a, it is. Yeah. But but yeah. I and not only that, but I put it this way because the Old Testament, especially in the giant robot genre, would be the works of one Gona guy, the creator, wow. arguably the creator of the super robot genre. And uh, I say that as uh, a very people can fight me on that, but I I, I defend that title. Great at Mazinger. Mazinger really started the super robot role. It actually was the first one to actually have the pilot inside the robot, too, in Japan. So that was a big deal. So a little backstory. Ano is a gigantic nerd. He is also a passionate fan of Gonagai. So him getting a crack at Go, arguably Go's most mainstream... How do I put this? Easily accessible. Easily, yeah, accessible. I think the three titles of his are Cutie Honey, Devil Man, and Mazinger. Those are his three most accessible works. And with Cutie Honey, really late, if you read the manga, the original manga, which, by the way, doesn't really have a proper ending, um, is very heavy on a lot of lewd stuff. It's in the humor. And... Um, other versions, like the the, the like the cartoon versions, would admit of some of that, and then the OVAs would come back and oh, really get into it. So here he's found a happy medium, and not only that, but at the same time, it is a delightful love letter to arguably all things Sentai. <clears throat> Especially rewatching this because it feels like he made a gigantic Sentai film. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So let's get cracking. I got my notes right here. So this movie starts with our main character. Oh, right. <laughs> so our main character, Honey, her name is, uh, so makes no bones about it. She's sitting in a bathtub, very beautiful girl. And uh, by the way, again, nerdy on his, her phone rings. And uh, Arion, what was the ringtone on that? It was Ghidorah's order, wasn't yes. it? So it was. <laughs> Which is okay. So it's a message that her uncle had kept by a terrorist organization, and she must uh, make haste in the most poppy, blissfully like cute way that you can. But you know, because this is the the thing of cutie. She's a choker, and she's got it's got a little on it. And when she pushes it, yells, "Flash!" She can transform to various different not forms but she it's like a cosplay thing kind of like sailor moon if sailor moon could change into 20 or an infinite amount of roles and each one of these costumes gives her the ability of it so if say she becomes a biker she automatically becomes a, a skilled biker she becomes a sous chef she becomes automatically a great sous chef it's a little little detective little a, a little inspector gadget a little of everything put together but can't transform, standing there uh, in the buff, realizes she needs to eat. So we get this delightful cartoonish sequence of this adorable girl running through. And I, I, I don't 
my girl, like a twenty, she, the the actress here's like twenty one years old, like. So she's very, she's just adorable in her mannerisms. So puts on a trash bag, floats in the street. In one of the quick cut scenes, she just grabs these. Uh, uh, I believe they're called. Uh, oh, um, uh, rice balls. Essentially, rice balls. Rice balls. But, but rice balls and green tea. But if, if you've seen uh, Pokemon as a kid, mm-hmm. you know those are called jelly donuts. And I laugh. <laughs> like, oh, it's jelly donuts. Yeah, when, oh, I forgot when Brock makes them. Yeah. Yeah. So, but let's let's talk about this through the street. Hold on, let's talk about this beautiful shot, this, mm-hmm. this money shot of Family Mart. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, do you know if this thing was was uh, co-produced by Family Mart or because there are so many shots of of Family Mart product throughout this movie? Well, this was a major studio. This is a Warner Brothers Japan production, so I'm assuming there were some. Yes. So I'm assuming okay. there were some, uh, uh, you know, um, oh, oh, God, what am I playing on? Uh, probably placement in there. Got it. So I, I don't doubt that they probably had some tie-ins as well when the movie came out. Right. So Pound Green Tea eats these things, eat, you know, eats these rice balls, and then tosses everything into the trash like a, like a good hero should, tosses her trash bag to... Now she's running her underwear down the street. This beautiful shot, the camera's following her. Everyone is like, as she's passing people, they clean in. Like, what the hell is going on? They're just seeing this young girl. I kind of keep saying young. There's this young woman running through the street and uh, (laughs) in her underwear, of which then she hits her choker and yells, honey, flash. We see this beautiful flash. Smack cut to this this, uh, little uh, peninsula. Uh, this facility, there's about 500 cups. But this peninsula is very, very familiar for you Godzilla fans. This is the Aqualine from Shin Godzilla, right where uh, at the beginning of Shin Godzilla is the is the Aqualine where the uh, there's an explosion. So you'll you'll mm-hmm. recognize that, but you'll also recognize some more faces later on. Mm-hmm. Well, which. We're introduced to one of them. Is that is the introduction of our uh, of our second uh, protagonist, Natsuko, the, poli- the, uh, the hardened police. Yeah, or Nachan, as she's known, the hardened uh, police officer, and uh, comes in with no nonsense, wearing the glasses, hair in a tight ponytail, all business, very strict to her uh, subordinates, and uh, again. The way this whole thing is shot, it is, I dare say manic, because it's a lot of cutting, but you're never lost in what's going on. And this is where I, what I'm saying. This is when animation directors really get their, their hands on something in live action. They shoot like they're animating. Like, you have to cover your bases. Like, everything felt really boarded out here and laid out to the most infinite degree. And this is where we're introduced to Gold Clock. One of the four generals of Panther Claw, our, our, our villainous organization of this story. And she has uh, 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 Professor Usagi next to her, which we find out is Cutie's uncle, or Honey's uncle. I keep saying Honey, Cutie's her, her other, that's her, that, that's her other persona. So 
giant standoff with the cops. Uh, Nakuzo is not taking any crap. She says the you know they got the place surrounded. When it turns out, no, that is not the case. Turns out the other cops on the other side, covering Goldclaw, are really Pantherclaw agents in disguise. Beautiful costumes. Just throw them off, and they are in classic like 70s anime like like goon gear like black mask fedoras well-dressed suits all got guns and again there's just this weird mexican standoff between the two and uh <laughs> with gold claw like like i have the upper advantage like it's it's like and you know Obama tell, i have the high ground but it is not for not because uh things go haywire quick and Gunfire erupts between the police and uh, the Panther Claw goons, of which Natsuko looks like she's in the crossfire. But it's not true. She gets picked up by a mysterious stranger in a uh, in a biker outfit, and uh, it's it's Honey. <clears throat> so she tells Natsuko, wait here, I will take care of this. And uh, she goes to uh, <clears throat> she goes to handle something. In a very comedic scene, now we got the standoff between Natsuko and Pan- and Goldclaw yelling at each other with mega with megaphones, like they are within like twenty feet of each other. The cartoonishness of this movie is brilliant. So uh, Professor Usagi disappears for a second, and then uh, there's a chase that ensues. Panther Claw manages to recapture him, and it turns out. Natsuka says, hey, give it up, Goldclaw. We have the professor. And she turns. It's like, wait, what? He's standing right here. It is not the professor. It is upon closer look. It is our heroine, Honey, dressed as the professor in beautiful beautiful cosplay. And uh, Goldclaw is aghast to find, like, how? How can this be? And that's when we get the introduction that normally normally comes with Cutie Honey. So... Whenever Honey gets ready to transform into her lovely warrior form, she tells her villain that she's facing, sometimes I'm a uh, police officer. Sometimes I am a, uh, a, a street biker. Sometimes I'm a master chef. But who am I really? Which goes right into beautiful credits. Done oh, by... Beautiful. By, done by... Uh, um, um, not Studio Car... Uh, um, Trigger? Uh Gynex. Oh, this really? was Gynex. This was Gynex because, and I say this because there is a three-part OVA that essentially recaps the film, but done in an animation style. The Anno directed one of the episodes. Uh it's actually getting finally an American release out here. But it is absolutely gorgeous. It's online, so you can watch it, but the opening of this movie recreates the actual opening of the Cutie Honey show with just that slight touch of the perverted humor that you want, but just, you know, not enough to make it not, you know, R-rated, just PG-13, because that is part of the fun of Cutie Honey. Beautiful animation where she transforms into her lovely warrior uh, form. Short red hair, armor, her sword, and what unfolds next is probably one of the greatest cartoonishly violent fight scenes you'll ever see in a movie. And this is where Anno's animation background comes in. Now, this movie was not on a very large budget. I think it's only like a three or four million dollar film. But he takes that, takes his animation knowledge and creates a beautiful fight sequence. And yes, this is a 20 year old film. 
some of the effects are a little dated, but it has so, ironically, so much heart to it. So, Gold Claw, Cutie Honey, Throwdown, everyone, everything is in chaos. Honey, and by the way, so when Honey transforms, so when she's in her normal Honey form, she has this very, like, <laughs> like very, you know, uh, uh, you know, cute, you know, ironically cutesy voice. Like, she's very, uh, how would you say it? Um, she looks like she is in a different movie. Yes. She, so we'll, she looks like she is a part of a different. She's uh, everybody is playing this right, but Cutie Honey is. I don't not in a bad way, but very, very fish out of water. Yes. Yeah. And when she becomes Cutie Honey, she, her demeanor changes. She becomes confident. Her she actually changes her voice, much like not you know two years later or a year later, the great Christian Bale will change his voice when he becomes Batman. It, but it's not as <laughs> not as not as egregious. It's very but there's confidence. There's a, it's a lower octave and she, an insane. She like an yes, she actually sounds like an adult. And this insane battle, it's just frantic, frantic action goes on. The point, Honey gets the upper hand, and uh, Gold Claw cannot stand it. She's losing, so she fires off a volley of missiles that come from her wrist with. Seems to be an unlimited amount of ammo inside a wrist rocket looking device. Like there's like there's no way in hell, like even if just the mechanism alone, but it's it's anime logic. And that is what is at work here, because this is really laying the ground of like, do not take this movie serious. We are here to have fun. And that's what it does offer. So Gold Claw manages to capture the professor one more time, and she starts taking off by spinning her ponytail like a helicopter. Again, cartoonish to the nth degree. And she's getting away, laughing at her, uh, at her opponent. And uh, he's like, we're not doing this. Throws her, her honey boomerang, cuts off Gold, uh, uh, gold, pan, or gold Claw's uh, ponytail. She falls in the ocean. They recapture the the uh, the professor, and everyone is happy, except for our, uh, our our weathered police officer Natsuko. She's not having any of this. She's by the book. She does not care for vigilantism, so she arrests Honey, and that is when we are introduced to the third lead of our film, dashing reporter Shinji, who kind of comes in. And he's like, hey. This is breaking a few laws. You can't just arrest people. And, of course, that student's like, well, you're under arrest now, too, for uh, crossing <laughs> over a police line. <laughs> sure. Shinji. So how do you yeah. describe his look? His look is what a 70s, like, Japanese detective movie would look like. like have, you ever, have you ever seen Tiger and Bunny? Uh, I've only seen bits. I've never watched the whole thing. He looks like the main character from Dragon Bunny from the head up. The, 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 mm. What are they called? The, the newspaper boy, the hat, yeah. and the hair sticking out. Um, yeah. He's got, a, he's got a black turtleneck. He's got like a light blue. He looks very 70s. Like, again, very out of place for what to ask yes. for. Just bright color. Again, yeah. this movie actually has a lot in common with the Wachowski brothers speed racer. Just the aesthetic. Wow. Yeah. You, yeah, you see it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. 
So, okay, okay. oh, fantastic. Oh, I love Speed Racer. Much as much as I love this movie. So, Shinji and uh, Honey managed to get away, leaving Atsuko holding the pieces of this botched uh, standoff. Uh, we find out that uh, Shinji is after he's, he's after a scoop, and he uh, wants to keep in touch with Honey. And he adds on that he knows a little more than uh, even us audience members know. Like, he's, he's in the know. And as he says, I'm a reporter. It is my job to know. So we uh, jump forward to see what Honey's life is actually like. She is. Uh, she works in an office, very reminiscent of aggressive Retsuko. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, she's the the office girl. She's at the bottom of the barrel. She's con- late to work because she was off doing superheroics. No one in her office appreciates her. She has no friends, but she's just this bubbly personality and is always happy, which is to the. <laughs> the detriment of her fellow office uh, workers, especially the women. They don't like her because too bubbly, probably too pretty, and uh, just too kind of ditzy. Hey, Chris, who's, yeah. who's, the, who's the boss in the office? The boss in the office. Let me see if I can find who that was. Not Who's the, the manager, if you will? Uh, let me see here. Does he have a name? Do they name? He didn't have a name. He, he, well, you know he talking, right? or which, one you ta- which one are you talking about? The one that is always complaining about her showing up or the actual boss? The one who's always complaining about her showing up late. I'm going to pull that up right now. Oh, man. Get the IMDB here. Let me see here. Great pod, by the way. <laughs> we have to stop to find out. Again, making notes. Who is that? What have you seen him in? Because I know you're bringing him up for a reason. He's the director of Tetsuo the Iron Man. Wait, that's... Not, no, 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 no. Is, no way. Not, wait, no. Pretty sure that is. Wait, are you sure? Let pretty me see sure. here. It can't be a Sukamoto. I don't believe that's Sukamoto. Ano is in that office. We gotta find this out. What's his, what's, what's his name? Tetsuo Tetsumoto Iron Man. Yeah. Directed by Shinya Tsukamoto. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not. I don't think that's him. Yeah, I'm just like, wait a minute, I don't think that's Sukamoto. To be fair, I forgot he didn't need to kill her until I rewatched it recently. But to be fair, I hadn't watched it to kill her in forever, and I'm used to seeing Sukamoto older, and he was much younger in that well, movie. Well, you can edit this part out. Yes, I can edit that part out. <clears throat> so, Honey is left... Pretty much as the uh, the mule, the kicking mule in the um, in the office, her only 
psych friend in there is the uh, the woman who takes care of um, the janitor. You know, encourages her to, uh, you know, go make some friends. Go out there. You know, get get yourself out there. And pretty much she uh, she's like, I, I, you know, yeah, maybe. I'll give it a try. Natsuko, we get to Natsuko, getting just completely reamed about everything in the, uh, the, uh, of the, the failure of the mission. She's given one more chance by her superiors. Of which she takes, you know, the the responsibility for the failure of the mission, you know, with full stats because that's the person she is. But it also just makes her <laughs> much more angry. So uh, we are now introduced to the terrorist organization that is Panther Claw, and it's yeah. four generals. We've already met, which was Gold Claw. There is. Uh, Scarlet Claw, who is a Kabuki, a Kabuki actor. There is, um, there's, what was this? Gold Claw, Cobalt Claw, which uh, was the, uh, she is the, ah, she's the, the one with the, that can manipulate her arms. She wears like this leathery outfit. It's very estimated. And there's Black Claw, which is this very mm, androgynous let's, let's... dude. <laughs> let's talk about Black Claw for a second. Um, yeah, let's talk about Black Claw. His look is something that would be, how do I put this, slightly racial. Problematic today? Problematic is a very good way to put it. Um, that's it, the thing, Japan does not care. <laughs> it, that's the hilarious part, right? But the thing is, mm-hmm. he is he's, something I see a lot of, of uh, going to guys' work is half and half. Yes, black claw is half blackface, half whiteface. Mm-hmm. And there's that's the best way I can put it. Uh, singer, yes, but it's not like. Singer. But it also changes throughout the movie. Like the the patterns change at times. Is that towards the yeah. end when we get there, like the the white is like now it's like checkered. So, uh, and they are the subordinates of the leader of Plant Panther Claw, which is Sister Jill. Sister Jill also this very androgynous. This creature who sits on the sidewalk. Was Sister Jill played by a man? And the butler was played uh, by a woman? No. Played by a woman, it? voiced by a man. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That is very, like... Again, like, Anna plays with a lot of tropes here. And again, it, let's... The costume... Everything... Feels like it leap out of, like, a 70s enemy. Like, it is... Very, he's watching great material. Like, there's a lot of goes classic designs in these characters. Like, he kept them as faithful as possible. And uh, we find out the the machinization of Panther Claw. Sister Jill wants immortality because she wants to rule the world definitely. Right now, they're only doing so much. The generals go, well, here's what we've done. They have uh, been kidnapping young women throughout the country for. Sometime now, to the point that even the police are like, there's been a rash of serial kids of young women. We find out that under the Panther Claw's headquarters is this vast, open, just, you know, containment unit of these young women sitting in these kind of like these little tub things. And this is where Sister Jill, she kind of milks their, their life force from them to keep herself young. 
we find out that Panther Claw's uh, entire headquarters is just this mad drill looking thing that is underground. And they, uh, they have a army of of a hundred thousand soldiers ready to go and we all see this all laid out like on this big screen thing. but the thing that sister jolie wants the thing that she's after is this brand new eye system that is uh elusive is a technology that was created by a uh, um brilliant scientist that they inadvertently assassinated a year prior and the professor that they were trying to capture was his apprentice and was continuing his work. And this system plays a big role as we move in. So now they're like, well, we got to go re-kidnap the, uh, the professor. The gold law paid for forgiveness for her failure and her mission. So smash cut to Honey back in the tub. Uh, kind of wondering, you know, so what, you know, because this is the first time she's introduced to Panther Claw. It feels like this is the first time that everyone is introduced to Panther Claw. They're making their self known to the world. Even though somehow they've recruited a, a gigantic army of people. She gets a call from her uncle, the professor that she saved. Turns out, no, he's been kidnapped once more. And now right. Honey must get to the, uh, the bottom of it. So what does she do? She transforms and goes to the police station because she has no one else to help her and when she is honey when she's just normal honey she's very aloof and unsure of herself so uh thinks like well maybe i can go undercover in uh in the uh the police station and get some answers uh-oh Thirty minutes. There? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you froze for a minute. So, who does Honey uh, disguise herself as when she infiltrates the police station? It's uh, Nutshell. Yep. Which uh, she's trying to get to the bottom of uh, this kidnapping, and none of the cops want to help her because she also realizes that, well, Nutshell is uh, not. Uh, really liked by anybody else in the station. Similar parallels to our two main heroines here. Finally, there's a common ground. And uh, as Honey is getting frustrated because no one wants to help her, who but arrives? Shinji. And, and uh, again, we smash cut to this corridor. Under, it looks like it's underneath the police station. And Shinji and Honey are having a conversation, but they're doing it on segways. Just the way the that's right. is weird. It's this is the thing. This is what animators do when you have to have moments of like laying out dialogue and you know just explaining things. You always have to make something. You have to make it interesting. Something's got to be going on. And I don't know if I felt better than the two of them walking. We'll have them on segways, just having these little conversations with Shinji revealing he knows. A lot about Honey and her her little choker that contains the uh, the the ice system on it, which uh, we find out he is uh, very well versed in uh, in the coming goings of uh, many many scientists. As he says, I'm a reporter, so he says he'll help Honey on one condition. 
Christian. And she thinks, oh, he's going to be perfect. No, he's just one thing. Just one thing. And that's a that that's an exclusive interview because the reporter and him still needs to get the scoop. Well, these two are talking out of nowhere. Nat Chan shows up on her bike, by the way, and stopped everything. Realizing that uh, Shinji realizes, well, here, we have a situation in our hands. Maybe the three of us can work, work together, of which uh, Hines more than willing to, but Natsuko is not because she goes by the book. So that leaves our heroes to part ways once again. Now, Honey having to figure out what to do. But Natsuko's not letting this go. She wants to know what the connection between this Honey girl is and this magical warrior showed up. So she starts trailing her, which leads Honey back to the office. That uh, once again, she's late. And uh, Natsuko corners her, asking her a million questions, of which Honey is very, plays again, plays. He's dumb, but not at the same time. He's also kind of naive. It's it's the, the person again. I gotta give full credit to to this actress. Um, I get it right here. Uh, yeah, Eriko Sato, who was a a model when uh, she got this role, actually does brilliant. She actually just captured the the spirit of the actual um, character very well. Because Honey's kind of, at times, ditzy, and at other times, she's the smartest person in the room. And especially when she's changing between various outfits and characters. Like, she goes all in. And playing like the... the the She feels like an actual anime girl leapt out of a screen and was being filmed by a real camera. Like, that's... If that makes any sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Uh, while uh, Nasuko is uh, cornering her in her office, you know, the other office employee, you know, the other women in the office are having a discussion. We come on to the, the one uh, office worker who does not like Honey at all, and she's being dumped by her boyfriend, which we find out uh, is uh, being set up because this, this is where the second general of the uh, of the Panther Claw shows up, which is Cobalt Claw, and kidnaps this uh, this this poor woman after she had been dumped by her boyfriend. Natsuko takes Honey to the bathroom so they can speak privately, which she she's asking her 20 questions, like, who's that girl? How is she connected to you? How are you connected to Shinji? And it's, again, the way this is shot, they're in a stall. The camera moves from right on Natsuko. Gun in Honey's face with like the, the anime like cross-eyed like you know the comedy is is thick and rich but it's also very earnest and it's a million miles it's Ano's million mile amid dialogue because if you've ever watched Shin Godzilla you know how fast everyone talks because he writes for for anime and it translates there's I don't think there's well there is but I, for the most part. There's not a lot of like quiet moments in this movie. No. This movie is constantly moving. So while they're having a discussion, something crawls across the, the ceiling. And we see this almost ring-esque like uh like woman <laughs> crawling on the ceiling, which uh they both look up very comedically. Almost like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. And they are uh, attacked 
by a woman who who turns out is the uh, is one of these coworkers. Now her face has got all of these weird markings on it. Her her skin's all kind of floppy. Something's off. Not just the fact that she's crawling on the ceiling. So a chase ensues. Honey grabs Natsuko and drags her behind her at, at superhuman speed. While Natsuko is firing while she's being dragged at this woman who's attacking them from, from the ceiling. Again, pure comedy. They jump into a, an elevator and they, they think they got away. But it turns out, no, no, no. Cobalt Claws right them, come, breaks in through the, uh, through the top of the, uh, the elevator. At this point, Shinji uh, calls uh, Tatsuko, asks what's going on, because he has a hunch something's up. That's how he is. He's got a, a hunch. Completely tells, you know, she's screaming that they're being attacked. So he transforms into her lovely warrior form. Now Tatsuko's like, see, Wait, you and the girl, one in this, you and this, this warrior girl are one in the same. And an elevator fight ensues with Cobalt, who tears off the skin of Honey's co worker like it was a suit to reveal her dominatrix style look and unzips like two pouches on the back, which more arms come out. And so now we have a close quarter fight with <laughs> a single corner, like towering in the corner with her gun. Tra- Trained on everybody. Honey, realizing that uh, uh, she has to do something, starts uh, uh, fighting with Cobalt Claw, admitting Panther Claw was the one behind her father's death. So the only thing she can do, because she can't really use any of her other weapons in close quarters, she grabs Cobalt Claw in a bear hug, and her her uh, her choker, the heart on her choker opens up, and you see a counter go down, and her honey starts heating up, like she starts glowing. And what she's doing is that she's enacting the eye system to just generate massive amounts of heat from her body and starts burning football claw to death, of which you hear Shinji on the other line t- saying you ha- to, to Natsuko, you gotta stop it, otherwise she's going to die. And again, Natsuko's like, I know all this. He's like, I'll explain it later. Just make sure that she doesn't kill herself. With Honey, like she's in full emotional distress because now she now has answers to many questions, and we're starting to peel back the onion that is that is Honey in her life because she's been making mentions. You know, she mentioned to like her boss, like, I'm "Sorry, I've only been reborn for a year," and people are and they're like, I, they just chalk it up to her being ditzy and weird. So. Uh, Honey manages to defeat Cobalt Claw by burning her to death. The elevator door opens. Shinji arrives. Tells Nasuko, like, you got to get out of here because, uh, you know, what she just did was very dangerous. She needs to recoup. So uh, Shinji takes off because he's got other stuff to do. And leave Nasuko to hold the, uh, to once again, pick up the pieces. So we get, uh, we cut to the, Panther Claw, who now realized that Honey has the eye system that Sister Jill wants, and that their new target now is to get Honey to come to them. So they have to figure out a way to defeat her. And it's around this time that we see why Sister Jill is so desperate for this eye system, because she wants immortality. She raises her hand, and it's... How would you describe it? Uh, it looks like, uh, like, a, like a tree. 
The yeah. Branch. Yeah. And she's actually on this podium that looks like she's kind of like a big tree. Like the way she's on this podium, it kind of branches out to to the ground because she's around like this moat looking thing. And so we see what she actually does with the uh, the captive women uh, underground. She initiates like this device, and you see the women uh like in in this corridor. They start the blood, and all this energy pulls up, goes up, and into Sister Jill, which completely heals her hand. But she realizes she can't keep doing this because the it's like Ra's like Razel Ghoul. Or wait, no, no, it's Rachel Ghoul, not Razel Ghoul. Does say it proper, otherwise I'm gonna get crap from a lot of people. Rachel Ghoul, and the Lazarus Pit. But the thing is, you can only use it so many times before the effects start, you know, wearing off. So this eye system is the key to her immortality, and this is where we jump into you know, the backstory of everything. Honey wakes up and she's in that apartment. Which how would you describe this apartment? Um, minimal. <laughs> There's a lot of empty bottles. Every she has mm-hmm. all her clothes hanging up. They're all black shirts. There's a bunch of dead flowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the most interesting part of the apartment is the bed is in the middle of the room, like an island. It's like, oh, that yeah. looks kind of nice. So Honey wakes up. She realizes Natsuko. Oh, you care? It's like, where am I? She's like, I'm in my apartment. And she's like, I can tell her, believe that I did not want to bring you here. But we can see, again, the similarities between Honey and Natsuko. They are destined to be the best of friends. Because they're both friendless women. They're both young. And they both take what they do very seriously. But at the cost of, like, you know, a social life, if you will. Especially with Nasuko, like, she's looking, like, hunts around again. All played off as comedy. When she notices the dead flowers, she's like, oh, those, those are nice. <laughs> of which Nasuko's not having any. She's like, look, just cut it. And comedy. Tell me about that thing on your neck. And he goes, I don't talk about it. And what did she do? She pokes it. <laughs> and begins to do it. <laughs> Honey says she doesn't like to talk about, you know, what what the thing on her neck is. And what does she immediately do? She she pokes it, doesn't she? She pokes it and she begins to t- talk about it. Oh right. It's that again. The com- again the little comedic timings in this, which we get now. Our second anime. We get a flashback and it's all animated. Beautiful animation done by uh, uh, guy, Studio Gynax. And we get the backstory of Honey. She explains that she was the daughter of uh, Professor uh, 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 Katsuri. I believe that's... Yes, I believe it's Katsuri. And she was in a horrific accident a year ago. And Katsuri, distraught, sought to rebuild his daughter. And uh, explains that he injected her nanomachines that... We- which is, by the, which is powered by the choker around her neck. That's what relates it. Which Natsuko realizes, like, so you're an android. She's like, yeah, more or less. Well, she's like, Natsuko's pinching her cheeks, like, trying to, like, are you really real? Again, in an adorable moment where Honey's like, yeah, just 
She continues talking as her cheeks are being pinched. This gets charming moments sprinkled throughout this movie. Um, which Nasuko now has to take all this in. She's like, all right, this is a lot, but now I understand why, you know, Panther Claws after everything, this you know, in a weird way all makes sense. So she lets Honey stay there, wakes up the next morning. Honey's in this big flowing white dress. The apartment is bright as hell. And magically, all of Natsuko's flowers have completely blossomed into these you know, just gigantic, like, uh, um, uh, like, and everything. She's, oh, good. They, they bloom. So Suga doesn't want any part of this because she's not down with it. So, uh, we smash cut to, uh, Natsuko going back to, uh, the station. She's bumbled again. She's taking, she's been taken off of the case and assigned to the serial, uh, uh, kidnapper. Uh, it's about the woman, which we now know is because of the clock. Strahd about this, she's, uh, she, you know, Natsuko is like, all right, fine, whatever. Like, she turns in her gun, does the whole thing. It's like, I don't want any part of this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Hangs it up. This is where we get a call from Shinji, who tells Honey, I need you to meet me at this location. And uh, it turns out, like, it's this very fit, swanky looking hotel. Where uh, he sits down with her and explains, like, yes, I know all about your father. I know all about your uncle. I know all about the I system because I'm a great reporter. I'm also working for someone who uh, has vested interest in the technology as well. But he being the good reporter that he is, he does not want to go you know, fall into the wrong hands. Even though we find that like he's playing various sides, which we find out turns out to be the U.S. government, who are also interested in this. Yeah. Later on. But yeah. Yeah. Yes. So this is where we get the big moment of everyone coming together, where we have this uh, this wonderful sequence of Natsuko being called there by Shinji as well. And they're all kind of realizing they're they're at an impasse. They need to figure out something to do. So what do they decide to do, Arya? Uh, they sing karaoke and get drunk. In that order. Don't, don't ask me. Don't ask me what they were singing. Don't ask me what. But I, what I took away from the scene is uh, Cutie and uh, and uh, what's her Anacha can drink. Anacha, yeah. They can drink. And yes. They can put away those drinks without a problem. So wake up the next morning. Just hungover. Oh, completely hungover. Uh, Honey's kind of like browsing around the room, and she opens the door, which she's like, wait, don't go there. And turns out, like, it turns out he's really keeping an eye on Honey. Because he has this creepy, almost seven, it, like, from outside of seven, just wall to wall of her, of various photographs of her, in very various poses and um, compromising positions, but also in her various different, um, you know, her different personas, of which she's like, wow. And by the way, Honey is like not even like, hey, you're being weird. She's like, oh, you really, like, it's just, it's this innocence. It's like, 
oh, I guess you really do have an interest in me. Like, nuts. Where Yasuko's like, Shinji, you're such a pervert. And he's like, what what do you want me to do? (laughs) So, Honey has to have a, uh, she decides, you know, Yasuko doesn't want to really work with them. And Shinji's trying them all to come together. Doesn't really pan out. So, Honey has to kind of, she's like, I'll do it on my own. Which we get this very extended sequence of Honey trying to figure out who she is. It's like four and a half minutes long of her walking around town and all it feels like is that Anno is like, I have a very beautiful woman. I have a lot of costumes to put her in and this is what we're going to do. And it's just the, it's like almost like a model shoot of Honey walking around the hour in different outfits in different locations. It just I dared use the word masturbatory in the in the in the um in the royal sense, not in the literal sense. <laughs> because the scene goes it, on for a long time. It looks like he was it looks like Anna was like, Oh, let's go to my favorite part of town. Oh, let's go to this uh eye in uh this one station that we've seen every uh Tokusatsu show. Uh all mm-hmm. she's wearing very uh, colorful, very interesting. Uh, none of them really like one is a kimono. One of them is like an out. Mm-hmm. Like she's gonna go running, and it's like I don't really mm-hmm. understand what the. It's it's interesting. Yes, it's also probably. One I would argue, because when I talk to people about this movie, here are the things they remember. They remember that, you know, kinetic frantic opening. That opening is just something out of a cartoon. But then when you ask them, like, well, how was the rest of the movie? They're like, oh, yeah, I kind of slowed down because now the movie's saying, like, is this going to be it the whole time? And no, but yes, at the same time. Because the movie never really likes that the camera is constantly moving. St- like the way Anno shoots sequence of people coming into rooms, uh, talking to each other, like, it's always. Quick cutting, and and when I say that, I don't mean it in like a bad, like choppy way, like kind of like how the Bourne movies were just kind of chopped together to make it look. It all flows, and it flows like animation. Like you're you're never not like I have no idea what's going on. Like at all times, know what's going on. Except for this scene right here. This sequence felt like you're writing, you have to write a five-page essay, and you got about three three pages worth of material. So you got to the essay. So you just start kind of rewriting certain paragraphs just in order to... And that's exactly... It felt like we need a 90-minute movie. We're clocking in at like 81 minutes, so we need something to pad that out. Let's just have this beautiful sequence of her walking around, looking dour but very pretty, in various outfits. So... The movie does kind of come to a standstill at this point. But once it comes out of it, then like if it feels like it's like, I need to take a break. Let me catch my breath. All right, let's start running again. Now we're entering to the, the home stretch of Panther Claw's, you know, big, big move. So Sister Jill needs uh, Honey to come to that because now she wants to get that, the eye system from her. So they enact a plan to uh to get them to come so honey goes back to shinji's place uh and uh it turns out that have been kidnapped 
or at least they thought, by uh, Panther Claw. And pretty much they are giving, like, their phone, Shinji's phone, his TV, and his computer have all been hacked by Panther Claw. Sister Jill's personal assistant is very... How do I put this? How, how would you describe this, dude? Uh, he's a butler, or she's a butler. Not 100%. Yes. Um, Again, very androgynous. Very, very interesting hairstyle, and very interesting. Mm-hmm. He, he, the butler's got like a Waluigi mustache going on. Uh, yes. That's how you know he's evil. Very squirrely looking dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's got a... Yeah, he's a very squirrely looking guy. Clearly, like, you look at him and you're like, I don't trust him at all. At all. Mm-hmm. But here we are. So now they have to go, so now they have to go rescue Nesuko. So they I'm getting something mixed up here. So they do rent so they end up going to go rescue her. <clears throat> they Hold end on. up getting oh. her back. Yeah. No, no, no. Before that, before they rescue her. Yeah. We uh cutie honey. First of all, they drill through Tokyo Tower. Okay, yes. Okay, so this is where it all comes in. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so yes. So Panther Claw's headquarters, they make their they make their presence. Um, they they arise out of Tokyo. They arise from under Tokyo Tower, which Tokyo Tower managed to perfectly stay balanced on top of this gigantic it's like 300 story monolith that just comes out of the ground. And uh, it creates a uh, they create like a big bridge. So now Panther Claw has made themselves known. Uh, Sister Jill now enacts her generals. So they're down Cobalt Claw. Gold Claw offers to redeem himself by taking on Cutie Honey, which turns out Sister Jill was like, no, no, you already failed me once. And much like uh, Mr. Burns with his uh, with his trap door, sends Cobalt Claw down to some sort of uh, dungeonous basement to which uh, Scarlet Claw and uh, Black Claw are like, well, that's what you get for being a failure. There's no failure in Panther Claw. So they, so they go, bleed. I'm getting, why am I getting this? Matter? I just watched this. So cutie, so they go, they get uh, Natsuko back. There is a, uh, but the, the fight is still on because now they have the professor. So, uh, Honey and Natsuko and Shinji all create a master plan to get into Panther Claw and uh, into the headquarters and take them down with getting the professor out of there too. So this is great little sequence between Natsuko and Honey where they've dressed up in these very these elaborate Asian cocktail dresses. With Honey wearing this like very you know like very long when Natsuko's in uh, a uh, white like dress with her long pigtails, like her hair's down. Her hair is completely. It looks like a three-year-old did her hair. So we get this moment of Nasuko fixing Honey's hair, and she's like, "Oh my god, you're really good at this!" And Nasuko says, "I'm good at everything because I am disciplined." So again, get this moment of like getting getting deeper into Nasuko's personality. You know, she you know she realizes you know that Honey realizes that. She puts up this front because she does not want anybody to get in. Even the glasses that she wears are pretty much 
they're not prescription. They don't really work. They're just there as like a cover, a persona. Gel. And honey kind of tells you, it's like, you should, you, you should embrace yourself much as she's gone and found herself. Embrace yourself. You don't need to wear the glasses, even though you look cute with the glasses. So, so he was like, I will consider it. And thus starts the final chapter or the final act of this film, which goes into full anime mode at this point. Honey arrives at the top of this building where she's told to meet Panther Claw. She is uh, a gigantic bridge is built from this tower to Panther Claw's tower. And she is greeted by the butler who tells her to simply just, you know, surrender and maybe we'll let your uncle go. And she's like, well, how do I know you still got him? And rising like a kaiju, very Ultraman-ish, her uncle arises like 40 stories tall. And they tell her, look, we have stolen the technology out of your uncle's head already. We've, we've sucked it out of his brain and we have wiped his memory. He has no idea who you are. But she pleads with him. And it turns out that in any, in any case, uh, Ariane, love conquers all. And he recognizes Honey. This part of the movie was like, what? Because, yeah, <laughs> Uncle grows, what, 50 meters? I don't know how, how tall Tokyo Tower is. Mm-hmm. Ha- hands over something to cutie, Honey. And then just it was turns a watch. into a, Her dad's watch. a what? Turns into a, a, a giant curly fry and goes up in the sky. And I'm like, what? 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 So I think I think he was a projection. I think that's what they were doing. That's okay. what I gathered from it. I think he was being projected out there, or he actually might have been giant. And they just have weird technology. They can do these things. This is all cartoon logic at this point. At this point. <clears throat> then we get this. So really, does he get? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So then, right, you know, they cross the bridge, and who meets them? Other, it, it's uh, Scarlet Claw herself. And this is this part's really cool. Mm-hmm. She she throws this flame ball, but the way she does it, she like opens she like she turns into like a robot for a second, and then she just like blows off mm-hmm. this this flame, and then it goes right through uh, the building behind Cutie Honey, which I think is the officer's office building. Yeah. Yep. And two other buildings behind it, by the way. Right. There's a, there's a quick little scuffle. Uh, mm-hmm. Cutie, cutie uh, gets up her hand out on Scarlet Claw, but doesn't defeat her. No. She she runs away. She runs away, and then she mm-hmm. runs into uh, the man of the hour, Black Claw. Black Claw. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> he goes in this little song and dance, uh, and and he says, "Hey man, if you're walking, you you, you fail your task, and just like you know as much as I do." Uh, in Panther Claw, there is no failure. So immediately kills one of his own, kills Scarlet Claw, and then I cut her in half. By the way, yeah, yeah. And then out of nowhere, these these like goons, these uh, these grunts with violins start uh, making music. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like now you have my full yes. attention in this movie. Confronts Kitty mm-hmm. does does a song and dance. Something about I've arrived and you're a great. I have no idea what the guy is talking about. Again, it turns into a yes. It turns into this full musical moment, and it's completely ridiculous. But you're 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 not going like 
okay, this is taking me out of the movie. You're like, I, 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 I can watch more. I got to know where the hell this is going. Like, this movie is offering everything at this point. Uh, so this begins what we would call the final boss battle. Yeah. So the fight is interesting, where this guy turns himself into a helicopter and mm-hmm. tries to cut Cutie Honey down. Uh, Cutie Honey somehow met, figures out how to stop it and cuts him and cuts him in half. Or am I remembering that correctly? No. Well, she gets the upper hand at first. Right. Uh, the fight, she, the fight goes. She gets the upper hand, but then turns out, much like every anime villain, he has more tricks up his sleeve, and he has this what he calls this darkness vortex attack. Right. Oh, so that's right. Because, because now, so while this fight is going on, Natsuko is running. Natsuko and Shinji are both infiltrating Panther Claw's headquarters. Uh, Shinji has found the chamber with all the missing women and uses this device that turns out to be a uh, small version of Honey's eye system uh, and uses it to free these uh, these poor girls. So as Asuka was climbing up, she looks down, she sees this parade of women running for their lives. And she's like, what the hell is going on? And she sees Shinji. He's like, hey, ah, look what I did. So she realizes Panther Claw is behind the kidnapping the whole time. So they meet up. Meanwhile, Honey is fighting for her life. So when Black Claw does this attack, the entire, like, the entire sky turned pitch black. And uh, what he starts doing, he starts spinning like a tornado. And all black mass he put into the sky turns into this black, like, cyclone that starts chasing honey it turns into like a roadrunner-esque sequence where she's booking at the street in the most cartoonish way possible being chased by what looks like a tasmanian devil but we get the the, the cameo of the, of, the, of the whole movie at this point so honey gets tossed up in the air she's spinning around and it's thrown out a tornado and lands ass first onto the onto this you know poor toyota that's just sitting there and we get a shot from inside the Toyota of her ass just landing on and breaking the, the glass, of which she's, you know, fine. She turns around and says sorry to the occupant. And the occupant is none other than... Going there by himself. Who is ecstatic to see a beautiful woman land first on his car in proper going-to-guy fashion. So, And this man, like... I'm like, God... I, it really puts the timestamp on it because goes like 74 now. So he was like in his 50s when this movie was made. And he looks so much younger. Like, but you see now, like, he's gone gray. Hair still thick, still black. Still, you know, he's a man of his 50s. But still looks like a young buck. Still got it. And so, I mean, at this time, he's cranking out works like uh, Devil A and uh, uh, some, uh, some new modding stuff like He's just, and by the way, this guy never stopped. stops working. Fantastic cameo. Much better than this same year's uh, edition of a live double damage. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, okay. 
that'll be for another time. So Honey and Black Claw take the fight back to the tower. Honey has now got her her proverbial ass handed to her, and she's running out of energy. And uh, so when you you notice this, because her her armor doesn't go away, but her hair reverts back to her normal honey look, like it grows back. It's the long it's the long hair, and the little the little heart on her face disappears. So she's like at half power. If her Ultraman signal is blinking, realizing that she doesn't have much of a, much of a chance left, Black Claw resumes this attack and he turns into this helicopter-looking thing, where his head is stationary, but his body is spinning like like, like cock. How it works, I don't know because it defies logic. So he's about ready to cut Honey down. And uh, take her uh, uh, take her choker when she gathers the last of her strength and grabs his sword that he's using, which stops him mid-air. And he realizes, again, Looney Tune logic, because he was spinning, and now that there's a, uh, a point that's preventing the inertia from moving, his, his body now starts spinning, his head starts spinning, he starts getting dizzy. And he thinks that this is it, but uh, she lets go. He falls, gets up, you know, still gets up advantage, and gets on top of her and starts trying to forcibly remove that choker. In one last desperate attempt, she uses her final weapon. The boomerang. Which goes the honey boomerang. Right, right through his body. And you get that moment of like in like samurai movies when the when the duel's over and you find out who got cut, because there's that moment of realizing, oh, I've just been cut. And Black Hawk feels over. It's so satisfying to see. (laughs) And not only that, but it's, it is highlighted by the fact that his quartet violinist stop playing like mid, like like the, the, they're like, oh man, like again, cartoonish in its best way. Like, Fantastic. So Honey lifts to uh, Sister Jill's lair where they have a confrontation. Sister Jill says that she will, uh, where she caught uh, Natsuko, she will release her if Honey agrees to join with her so she can absorb her eye system and absorb her, which will she'll take over her android body and live an mortal life and be the ruler of the world as she means to be. Not having the power that she needs makes the deal so that way that at least uh, Suko could go. Wait. Yeah, no, that's right. That's Suko. I keep saying Ritsuko because I'm thinking of that, that freaking uh, panda. That's Suko. But that Suko says, don't. No, you can't do this. Um, so there's this, there's this moment of Honey being completely absorbed by uh, by uh, Sister Jill, which now we get these flashbacks in a minute. She's accepting the inevitable. We see her holding her father's hand. We see her as a little child. All of her memories, which she had lost, she didn't have any memories before her terrible accident that uh, that her father had to rebuild her her body. But as she as she said earlier, you know, I might not forget. I might forget those old memories, but I can always make new ones. But now she's tapping. Because what Sister Jill's doing, she's tapping into those memories. Shinji shows up. 
seeing that the there's dire straits, hands uh, Natsuko a gun. Natsuko being the crack shot that she is, he tells her, "You need to hit her. Uh, you need to hit her choker. That way we can save because we can reactivate the system." So as Honey is being absorbed into uh, into Sister Jill. Atsuko does like waiting. There's movement. She hits Honey anywhere else, she could kill her. And at the perfect second when Honey is still, fires a bullseye shot that hits the choker on the heart, opens it back up. Honey yells, "Honey flash!" And a beam of light just opens up. And we see everything now. We get Honey's whole backstory. We see Sister Jill realizing that she's being defeated from the inside and that Panther Claw has failed. Light dims. Sister Jill is dead. Honey is restored to her, her original form. And everyone is happy. And she is overwhelmed to see her friends. Everyone is happy. Everyone is happy. Except for one person. Uh, Our poor butler, yeah. yes, who uh, is left to mourn the loss of his of his you know beautiful master. So three uh, leave Petroclaw's headquarters, which then just falls back into the earth, leaving Tokyo Tower perfect to where it was before it was shot out of the ground, as if nothing has happened. Again, wonderful cartoon logic. Now what to do? Natsuko does not work for the cops no more. Shinji got a story. And Honey has got her pass back. So what to do now? So what does Shinji offer to do? Let's open up a detective agency. But not just any detective agency. A detective agency for what? For To catch uh, cheating uh, spouses. Yes. It's like, all right. So we get this moment of Natsuko. Okay, yeah, I can. You see her finally open up. Like she smiles for the first time, which Honey is oh ecstatic about. It's like you're smiling. Uh, her Natsuko's uh, former underlings come to discuss. You know, it's like what the hell happened? They're describing everything, and Honey watches as far as her friend are just sitting there, kind of thinking like, well, like they're off. It might like am I just once again alone? To which Natsuko turns around and like, honey, come over here and hang out with your friends. Which we end on a beautiful fade out of her smiling, realizing that she got one thing that she wanted to hold on. Some friends. Some love. Credits. That's it, man. That, that Tekiano's cutie honey. Overall, oh. Arian, what did you think of this film? So, I... When I watch this movie, I have almost no. I know who Cutie Honey is. Last week, mm. I, I didn't know. I, last week, I found out it was uh, going to guy, and I should have already agreed to them. But I'm not familiar with the lore or the story of Cutie Honey. So I was watching this movie, and I'm like, oh, there's a nonism. There's a nonism. It was like, oh, you know, I can watch this movie, and you can see where a lot of his, tr- a lot of his um, tropes or whatever started mm-hmm. and how the dialogue the camera angles uh you know even the the front flips that QDA does is very similar to the uh 
Ava Unit 2. Uh, Which Ava it's Unit 2's kink is from what? It's writer, it's common writer, isn't it? Oh no, it's Kitty Honey? Yeah. No, no, it's yeah. common writer. Right. A writer uh, kink. It's very... If you don't know anything about Kitty Honey, I think this is a good... Uh, this is a good way to start and then go from there, just like Guyver. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you love Ano, I think you're going to like this movie a lot. Uh, if you're very, if you want something different, this is also a very good movie to start. Uh, the way he uses the money on the budget, <coughs> everything mm-hmm. is on screen. He he, uh, there is no every dollar in this movie is or every yen in this movie is on screen and you see it. Uh, he, he does really good work with the money he has. Uh, I just was not expecting this movie. I, I The first time I saw it... It I was wasn't like, what you remembered, right? It wasn't what I remembered, because I, I was talking to you a little, a little bit earlier. I'm like, I remember the opening being very different. And then you're telling me that the opening was actually toward the end. I'm like, whoa, like, I've completely scrambled. So watching this, it was almost like watching it for the first time. Uh I will say though that the grunts are the coolest grunts I've seen in a movie in a long time. Uh, like Chris was talking about, these guys have like ski masks and they have uh, cowboy hats and they're all blackout. And they got they got golden guns. Like these guys look really cool. Uh, what did you think, Chris? The more I watch this movie, the more I love it. Yeah. When I, wa- when I watched it nearly 20 years ago, when I got my bootleg off of eBay, when you could do such Hell things yeah. sometimes. Hell yeah. A very nicely made bootleg, but you know, when, I, when I watched it, no HCTV at the time. Now I watch some HCTV, and it is not glorious 16 by 16 by 8 widescreen. It is a um, it is a, it's a 4.3. <laughs> Which I didn't realize it at the time, but it did not deter the quality of the of the film. I love I when I first watched it. Again, that opening sets the bar so high. I I again I'm a I love going to guy's work. Uh, Devil Man is is almost one of my favorite things he's ever made. I love Devil Man to death, but I I have such a soft spot for Cutie Honey because it's wildly different from Devil Man. Where Devil Man's very serious, dark. This is the other side of Ano because Ano, or not Ano, the other side of Gona Guy. Gona Guy did a lot of like comedy stuff before he really did Devil Man, and this combines like a lot of the things he was doing at the time. Like he was asked by by the publisher after, I believe, Gideon came after Devil Man and Mazinger. Like, look. We want you to do what is essentially now the magical girl trope. That's there right. really wasn't there wasn't much magic. The trope really wasn't quite there yet. Because Honey, I believe seventy six. I want to say. Um, so they're like, look, he's like, because he tells he tells his tale in the. I got it right here. The Cutie Honey collection from Seven Seas. So this this uh, collects the entire original run, which again does not have a real ending. Like it just ends. Like she never fights Panther Claw in this series, and it is longer and far more perverted than um, 
than the movie is. And that was one of the 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 aspects of go. They're like, he's like, we want like we want like like we want um you know something you know for teenagers and we want dirty comedy. He's like, all right, those are all things I can do. In action, a lot of action. I got you. So, and this is the thing, man, like, Konai is a, like, here, I, I, you know, and, like, manga creators are almost a bit different breed than their American writers and artist counterparts, because nine times out of ten, they are both the writer and the artist. Now, there are, you know, exceptions, you know, like, uh, Fifth and North Star, you know, their artist team. Attack on Titans is the same way. Go is the writer-artist. And this man has conjured so much. Like he has, he's, I think besides uh, uh, Ishimori, the two of them are responsible for 95% of culture in Japan. Like the, much like, because we record today is the anniversary of King Kong. And that movie inspired not one, not two, like three generations of filmmakers. Like people, that movie is held in such high regard. And of like classic movies, it's one of the few that people still go back and watch. Like you're hard pressed to find someone watch Citizen King, but they'll watch King Kong. And that movie laid the groundwork for pop culture today. Go and Guy and Ishimori arguably did the same. Like you could say, uh, um, uh, Saku, you know, started it with like uh, Astro Boy and everything, but. I would I would argue this all people Gona guy really he is the Old Testament of the uh, of, of of anime especially robots and, and everything that I love in life where Anno Anno was the disciple he picked it up and he wrote the New Testament with um, with Evangelion and this is the combining of two this is what I say game recognizes game this is what this this movie is because this is an absolute love letter to all Go and The main difference is the fact that while the pretty humor is is there, it's one we talked about. Where um, many of the animes, especially the OVA that came out in the nineties, where you're good, you get a chance to watch New Cutie Honey because <laughs> it's a um, it's actually a continuation from the original manga, like. It picks up where it left off. Honey is fighting Panther Claw, and then she gets his adopted family. So much perversion in it. Her, her breasts are drawn as big as humanly possible, but she's also a very tall woman. Like, she's statue, like, very Amazonian, and there's nothing but old-school Dragon Ball-style perverted humor time after time. Partial nudity here. A lot of no because you can't show boners on TV. Uh, a lot of that stuff. Here, not so much. This is much more family friendly, but it's still pain the essence. And we, which is, I I argue, is the brilliance of Anno's take on this. On top of the fact that he made, he also, much like, I would say this. It's like Guillermo del Toro taking Hellboy yeah. and making it his own thing. Where if you read the comics and you watch Guillermo's movies, they are not one and the same with Hellboy. <clears throat> They're very things, but Guillermo's version is still just as much Hellboy, but all of Guillermo's you know gothic love and stuff that's in there, and it fits the character. Where I took this and it's 
eventually made a live action Looney Tunes cartoon that uh, is also a wonderful homage to like all the Sentai shows he grew up with because all of those, again, working with the budget that he has, realizing, oh, I can't really do expensive effects. So let's have the villains blow up. Let's just have ridiculous, uh, you know, transformation sequences. Let's, let's have the fight scenes completely come out of, like, Common Rider. Like, all of that is there. And it, it makes this a beautiful smorgasbord movie. Every time I watch it, I love it more and more. Hmm. I would recommend you go watch it and uh, let us know what you think. All right. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of Coming Kaisers. As always, if you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook under the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast, on Instagram at Kaiju Kingdom Podcast, on Twitter at the Kaiju Kingdom. And if you are hearing this on a podcast feed, we are under the Kaiju Kingdom RSS feed, so you subscribe there, and also check out our uh, our book show, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, while you're at it. So, on uh, that note, don't do it for us, for myself and Ariadne Hosa. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great we'll be back day. next time with, with something awesome.